The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Wednesday upon us, which means we're joined by Arlen Suderman of FC Stone. And Arlen, we, of course, are at the Nebraska State FFA Convention. So a lot of talk. I'm very impressed a lot of talk about spring planting from these youth that are here at the convention. A lot of talk about the flooding that they've seen. And I even had one kid say, you know, I watch these markets so closely, so I know how I can market when I get my field planted, if I get my field planted this year. Yeah, and that's the challenge, going to be the challenge across much of Nebraska, and particularly where the flooding occurred, is how much reparations have to happen. You can't start reparations really in until it dries out enough to get on those fields. And uh, so that's a real concern, particularly with uh, more rain in the forecast. And there is definitely that rain coming. We did see corn finish up a little bit to the positive for today. Yeah, and kind of the rhetoric that's out there is that's because of planning delays, and and maybe that gets talked about, but I don't really buy that. I I don't think the market's really too concerned about planning delays. I I mean, we can argue that it should be, but that doesn't mean it is because the American farmer has done such a fantastic job in the past whenever he's talked about planning delays and then a window opens up up and the crop gets planted, that that's what the trade assumes is going to happen again. I think this year is an aberration. It's different. I think the challenges are greater. And I think the market probably should be considering it a little bit more seriously than they are. But I think the strength that we're seeing now has more to do with uh, some optimism that we're going to get a trade deal with China. Maybe even as early as this week getting a tentative deal. Um, I, You know, I'm still not going to bank on that, but that possibility exists. And uh, as a result, um, we've saw some buying really across the board in the equities and commodities today, and corn was particularly one of those benefactors. You say that we're down to about, what, the final 10% in this trade negotiation? That's what people close to the talks are basically saying, that uh, we're down to the final 10%. And, but that's the hardest 10%. And uh, keep in mind how you know it took getting Canada down to the final 11th hour in uh, the, the trade agreement when we rewrote NAFTA, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. Um, so uh, you, I anticipate we're going to go down to the wire here as well. My bias is that we probably will not complete an agreement this week, um, but uh, we need to get pretty close if we're going to get an agreement by the end of the month, and I think that's what they're working towards. Well, the markets just seem to be paying a little bit more attention to that information this week as we've seen those negotiations continue to linger on for these last months upon months. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the trade had really gotten discouraged, particularly the ag markets had really gotten discouraged that, um, you know, we had the deadline of March 1st. Actually, it was first January 1st. And when President Trump and President Xi met in Buenos Aires on December 1st, they called a 90-day truce in which they could work on an agreement. And so that meant that if we didn't have an agreement by March 1st, then on March 2nd, we would see a big increase in tariffs. In the late February, President Trump said, ah, we're making enough progress. I'm going to delay indefinitely that increase in tariffs. And then everything seemed to slow down. 
uh, we just didn't hear any progress for a while. And in fact, some of the Chinese sources close to the trade talks did indicate that they had been dragging their feet on this process, waiting for the Mueller report, the special prosecutor report on the Russian collusion investigation on President Trump, because they thought maybe President Trump will get indicted and he'll be a weakened negotiator and we won't have to go this route. But they said once the Mueller report cleared President Trump, they saw dramatically improved odds that President Trump will get reelected in 2020 and that they may have to deal with him until 2024. And so they, they took a whole different approach, they said, to the negotiations in Beijing on Thursday and Friday of last week and brought their most serious offers to date. And U.S. negotiators say they made, you know, uh, substantial and constructive progress in those talks, more progress than they'd ever made before on those more contentious structural issues. And so it does look like now we are getting momentum toward a deal. Could this be a disadvantage to South America if we get a deal this week or next? Yeah, it definitely looks like it. And when I was on the conference call with our team in Brazil earlier this week, uh, actually on Tuesday, uh, I said, this is what we're seeing, not only from this, but African swine fever. And this is going to negatively impact you. And uh, you need to be aware of that in your work and factor that in. Um, because uh, the Brazilian market in particular has really been protected by the trade war. They have had a kind of a loan customer, a guaranteed customer in China. And that all changes if we get a trade agreement. And uh, it, it doesn't, I don't, I haven't heard anything to indicate that it'll be guaranteed soybean sales to China. What I've heard the U.S. negotiators say, we're trying to remove all barriers so that China can buy wherever the best value is. And that means that basically it's both Brazil has a surplus and we have a surplus. So who can sell them the cheapest? And that does set the stage for a price war um, between North and South America on soybeans. And, and looking at where we're at, especially when we're talking planning delays here, is there going to be any concern with the soybeans that they could have an advantage, at least on the nearby? Yeah, and it, as, as we're looking at planning delays, what does that do? It pushes more acres into soybeans and uh, means uh, more soybeans means cheaper prices. And then Brazil has to lower prices even further. But as we look at it, they can go down another several dollars without reducing their acreage. So in the end, it hurts us. Well, stick around, folks. We have more coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell from the Nebraska State Fair. And we're going to talk. You heard Arlen talking African swine fever. Stick around. Details on that coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as the Nebraska State FFA Convention is underway here in Lincoln. Arlen Suderman joins us with FC Stone as we hinted, and you kind of talked a little bit about it, African swine fever. Last week, we thought the news was bad. This week, it's just increased in numbers and, and not to the positive. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, the trend that uh, here in a few weeks, the numbers will probably be worse than what I'm going to give you today. Keep in mind that China consumes 28% of the world's meat. So they are a huge producer and a huge customer, and a big portion of that production is being lost. Our team in China now reports that the two most intense 
um, production provinces, um, which would be, um, as we look at Henan and Shandong, um, are down in hog feeding down at least 50%. And nationally, production is down 40%. Now, as we've looked at the feed and the feed market in China, it would suggest that feeding may even be down more than that, but we're comfortable going with that 40% level. That means world hog production is down 22%. Now, that should spell good news for the U.S. pork industry as long as we can keep the disease out of the United States, and one reason why we saw the May contract lock 450 expanded limit higher today. Um, so, Right now, it, it bodes well. Does that catch you by surprise to see that expanded limit go up and lock there? No, because the word's starting to get out about what's happening in China and uh, the implications. And, and I think the market was slow to respond initially because China had the pork reserves and we had the onslaught of, of slaughter uh, producers taking their hogs to slaughter early and the slaughter plants there were inundated with hogs to slaughter so their supply was big and and so china didn't start coming to to uh, purchase for quite some time we had the big sale of uh of pork back the first week of march and then things really dried up and so the market is anticipating it's coming back all logic would suggest that they would come back what we think has happened, this is speculation, is that that was a test purchase. Um, but they also don't want to look desperate while they're negotiating a trade deal with us. And once that trade deal is wrapped up, we should see the business come in and it should be very good for the industry as far as uh, from producer standpoint. So then what happens if tomorrow when the report comes out, we don't see those export numbers? Yeah, I think the market will be disappointed. We were up 450 today. Yeah, I mean, it can go to limit that amount down tomorrow. Uh, we've seen that in the past, uh, the big reaction. I, I, the market really wants to see that follow-through business, see China come in. I'm not sure if we're going to see it. This Tomorrow's data will be for the week ending March 29th, and uh, I'm not sure that we will see that pork business there yet. Um, and uh, so with the amount of monies in and the algos, algo traders, computer traders trading headlines, it's very possible we could see a sell-off tomorrow. So what does this mean for the soybean meal? Well, it, it's not good for soybean demand and we can get to meal. As we look at uh, Chinese meal consumption, what portion of it goes to pork production, what portion to poultry production, what portion to fish production, and we operate off of a 40% reduction in hog production uh, reduction in hog production and we assume an 8% increase in poultry production. Now, I don't know if we're going to get an 8% increase, but that's what the Chinese government says is the maximum they can expand in one year. That would suggest a 14.8 million metric ton reduction in soybean demand. And so that is about 545 million bushels of soybeans redu reduced demand. Some of that's going to get masked by the ch beans that China is buying this year to try to influence the trade talks. Those go in the reserve and they'll use those up next year and buy fewer from us then is what the thinking is. Um, so it is a dramatic reduction in demand and as I use USDA's lower soybean acreage number, 
I used a very conservative 30-year trend yield of 49.1 bushels per acre. And I assume that Brazil and Argentina will undercut us in price for soybeans if we get a trade deal or if we don't get a trade deal. That that leaves us with ending stocks next year of roughly 1.8 billion bushels for soybeans. With the with a, a crush industry starting to go down, uh, surplus of meal, uh, it's not very friendly for the soybean market at all. It's a lot to think of, Arlen, especially as we as we move into the spring planting season. As we as pork producers out there wanting to see those export numbers uh, come our way, folks want to follow along because you keep up to date on all of the happenings over in China. What's the best way to, to follow you and to speak a little bit more with you about the trade? Yeah, intlfcstone.com and uh, on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, 101. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the World Radio Network.